This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of necrotizing fasciitis from the trauma section on orthobullets.com. Necrotizing fasciitis is a life-threatening infection that spreads along soft tissue planes. Risk factors include immune suppression, bacterial introduction, and other host factors. With respect to immune suppression, diabetes, AIDS, and cancer are all risk factors. With respect to bacterial introduction, things like IV drug use, hypodermic therapeutic injections, insect bites, skin abrasions, and abdominal as well as perineal surgery are all risk factors. Other host factors that may be risk factors include obesity. As far as associated conditions, overlying cellulitis may or may not be present in the setting of a necrotizing fasciitis. As far as prognosis, necrotizing fasciitis is a life-threatening infection with a mortality rate of 32%, and keep in mind that mortality correlates with time to surgical intervention. As far as the classification of necrotizing fasciitis, it's divided into four types. We'll discuss each of these types with respect to the organism and specific characteristics. Type 1 is polymicrobial. Typically, four to five aerobic and anaerobic species are cultured. That is non-group A strep, anaerobes including clostridia, facultative anaerobes, and enterobacteria. Keep in mind that there is a synergistic virulence between organisms. As far as the characteristics of type 1 necrotizing fasciitis, this is the most common, making up 80 to 90% of necrotizing fasciitis cases. This is typically seen in immunosuppressed patients, for example, diabetics and cancer patients, as well as in cases of post-op abdominal and perineal infections. Type 2 necrotizing fasciitis is monomicrobial, and specifically group A beta-hemolytic streptococci is the most common organism isolated. With respect to the characteristics of type 2 necrotizing fasciitis, this makes up 5% of cases, it's seen in healthy patients, and is typically seen in the extremities. Type 3 necrotizing fasciitis is associated with marine vibrio vulnificus, which are gram-negative rods. Characteristics of type 3 necrotizing fasciitis is marine exposure to the patient. And finally, type 4 necrotizing fasciitis is associated with methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. As far as the presentation of necrotizing fasciitis, early symptoms include localized abscess or cellulitis with rapid progression, minimal swelling, and no trauma or discoloration. Late findings include severe pain, high fever, chills, and rigors, as well as tachycardia. Physical exam may show skin bullae, discoloration, specifically ischemic patches and or cutaneous gangrene, swelling, edema, dermal induration and erythema, as well as subcutaneous emphysema in gas-producing organisms. As far as imaging, radiographs are not required for diagnosis or treatment. Differentials include gas gangrene. With respect to biopsy, keep in mind that emergent frozen section can confirm diagnosis in early cases. The technique for biopsy in necrotizing fasciitis involves taking a 1 by 1 by 1 centimeter tissue sample. It can be performed at the bedside or in the operating room. Remember that surgical intervention should not be delayed to obtain this sample. Histological findings include necrosis of the fascial layer, microorganisms within the fascial layer, PMN infiltration, as well as fibrinous thrombi in arteries and veins, as well as necrosis of arterial and venous walls. Now, let's quickly discuss the Lyrinic scoring system, where a score of greater than 6 has a positive predictive value of 92% of having necrotizing fasciitis. These criteria are CRP, white blood cell count, hemoglobin, sodium, creatinine, and glucose. A CRP of greater than or equal to 150 milligrams per liter gives you 4 points. 
A white blood cell count of less than 15 gives you 0 points, 15 to 25 gives you 1 point, and greater than 25 gives you 2 points. A hemoglobin of greater than 13.5 gives you 0 points, 11 to 13.5 gives you 1 point, and less than 11 gives you 2 points. A sodium of less than 135 millimoles per liter gives you 2 points. A creatinine of greater than 141 micromoles per liter gives you 2 points. And a glucose of greater than 10 millimoles per liter gives you 1 point. Treatment for necrotizing fasciitis is always operative. Options include an emergency radical debridement with broad-spectrum IV antibiotics and amputation. With respect to emergency radical debridement with broad-spectrum IV antibiotics, indications include whenever there's a suspicion for necrotizing fasciitis. Operative findings include liquefied subcutaneous fat, dishwater pus, muscle necrosis, and or venous thrombosis. Remember that hemodynamic monitoring with systemic resuscitation is critical and patients should be placed in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber if an anaerobic organism is identified. As far as initial antibiotics, start empirically with penicillin, clindamycin, metronidazole, and an aminoglycoside. Definitive antibiotics include penicillin G for strep or clostridium, imipenem, doropenem, or miropenem for polymicrobial infections, and add vancomycin or daptomycin if MRSA is suspected. Finally, with respect to amputation, there is a low threshold for amputation when necrotizing fasciitis is life-threatening. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 45-year-old male with a history of intravenous drug use and diabetes presents with left thumb pain and fever. Physical exam shows a left thumb with cellulitis, abscess formation, and dorsal skin necrosis. Laboratory studies demonstrate a serum sodium of 130 millimoles per liter and a CRP of greater than 200 milligrams per liter. Which lab value is most valuable for making a timely diagnosis and what is the most appropriate next step in workup treatment? The choices are 1. White blood cell count greater than 25 and emergent surgical debridement including amputation as necessary. 2. White blood cell count greater than 25 and an MRI as well as empiric intravenous antibiotic. 3. Erythrocyte sedimentation rate of 20 millimeters per hour, as well as an MRI and empiric intravenous antibiotic. 4. Erythrocyte sedimentation rate of 20 millimeters per hour, as well as an echocardiogram to evaluate for septic emboli. And 5. Erythrocyte sedimentation rate of 20 millimeters per hour, as well as an emergent surgical debridement, including amputation. The correct answer to this question is 1. White blood cell count of greater than 25 and an emergent surgical debridement including amputation as necessary. So the patient presents with a forearm cellulitis and risk factors for necrotizing fasciitis. A white blood cell count of greater than 25 is a predictor of necrotizing fasciitis and the most appropriate treatment is emergent surgical debridement. To quickly review, necrotizing fasciitis is an aggressive infection with rapid spread along fascial planes. Initial presentation may be consistent with cellulitis, however, rapid progression along fascial planes may result in skin necrosis, muscular invasion, and subsequent myonecrosis. The rapidity of diagnosis and emergent surgical debridement is essential. Risk factors, including intravenous drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and diabetes should be assessed. And if necrotizing fasciitis is on the differential, the Lernick score may be employed for diagnosis in equivocal cases. Wong et al. developed the Laboratory Risk Indicator for Necrotizing Fasciitis, or the Lernick score, to assist in early diagnosis of necrotizing soft tissue infections. 
the authors used logistic regression to identify significant predictors of necrotizing fasciitis. The score utilizes total white blood cell count, hemoglobin, sodium, glucose, serum creatinine, and CRP. A learning score of 6 points or higher has a positive predictive value of 92% and below 6 points has a negative predictive value of 96%. Importantly, ESR is not a component in the scoring system as it is correlated poorly with risk. The patient presented in the question stem already has two positive serum findings with a learning score of 6. Gonzalez et al. reviewed 12 cases of necrotizing fasciitis of the upper extremity. 10 of the 12 patients in this cohort commonly admitted to injection drug abuse and 2 were diabetic. All cases began with a local abscess with erythema and swelling. The most commonly isolated organism was streptococcal species. Moving on to the next question. A 16-year-old male presents to the emergency department one day after scratching his leg on a piece of scrap metal. He reports a progressive rash on his leg that has advanced over the last several hours. In the emergency room, his temperature is 102.8 degrees and his systolic blood pressure is 98 millimeters of mercury. On physical exam, his leg seems to show early signs of necrotizing fasciitis. What would be the most appropriate step in treatment? And the choices are 1. MRI. 2. Biopsy with urgent frozen section in the operating room. 3. Needle aspiration. 4. CT. And 5. Ultrasound. The correct answer to this question is 2. Biopsy with urgent frozen section in the operating room. The clinical presentation is consistent with early necrotizing fasciitis. A biopsy with a frozen section is effective at rapidly confirming an early diagnosis. If the biopsy is performed in the operating room and is positive, then there will be minimal time delays in performing the required radical debridement. Necrotizing fasciitis is characterized by hypotension, ascending rash, bullet, and fevers. Skin abrasions, prior surgical intervention, and any cause of open wounds in the skin are all risk factors for the condition. The most common cultures are polymicrobial. The management consists of immediate IV antibiotics and emergent surgical debridement. Initial IV antibiotics should be broad-spectrum to include penicillin, an aminoglycoside, clindamycin, and metronidazole. Ozelay et al. analyzed the clinical presentation and factors associated with mortality in a retrospective study of 22 patients with necrotizing fasciitis. They noted that chronic liver disease and diabetes are common risk factors, and they reiterate that early and aggressive debridement is the primary treatment. McCarthy et al. reviewed the etiology, presentation, diagnosis, and treatment of necrotizing fasciitis, noting that biopsy is the only method to definitively diagnose the condition. Moving on to the next question. Poor outcomes with necrotizing fasciitis have been associated with which of the following factors? And the choices are 1. Pre-existing cardiac dysfunction. 2. Polymicrobial infection. 3. Use of hyperbaric oxygen. 4. Intravenous drug abuse. And 5. Delay in time to diagnosis. The correct answer to this question is 5. Delay in time to diagnosis. Again, necrotizing fasciitis is an uncommon soft tissue infection characterized by widespread fascial necrosis. It's most commonly a polymicrobial infection with group A beta-hemolytic streptococci as the most common bacteria reported. Treatment includes emergent aggressive debridement of all involved tissues and immediate empiric antibiotics covering aerobic, anaerobic, gram-positive, and gram-negative bacteria. Bella Pianta et al. discussed that the key to treatment in necrotizing fasciitis involves timely diagnosis, broad-spectrum antibiotic therapy, and aggressive surgical debridement. Moving on to the next question. A 45-year-old man is seen in the emergency department after returning from a two-hour airplane flight. 
He is reporting severe pain in his right leg, but has no trouble moving his ankle, leg, or knee. Venous Doppler testing reveals no evidence of deep venous thrombosis. He is placed on IV cefazolin, but continues to worsen. On the third day in the hospital, he has increased pain, some respiratory distress, and trouble maintaining his blood pressure. His leg appears to have rapidly spreading cellulitis. An urgent MRI scan shows thickening of the subcutaneous tissues and superficial swelling in the leg, but no evidence of an abscess. What is the next most appropriate step in management? And the choices are 1. Triple antibiotic coverage. 2. Transfer to the ICU and a consult with infectious disease. 3. Urgent irrigation and debridement with gentle skin closure. 4. Urgent hyperbaric oxygen treatments and immunoglobulin. And 5. Urgent aggressive debridement of skin, subcutaneous fat, and fascia. The correct answer to this question is 5. Urgent aggressive debridement of skin, subcutaneous fat, and fascia. The patient in the question stem has necrotizing fasciitis, which again is a rare and sometimes fatal disease that has many different etiologies. Signs that this is not a normal infection are the worsening clinical symptoms despite IV antibiotics and the systemic symptoms. He needs urgent surgical care before he becomes completely septic and unstable. He needs very aggressive debridement of his tissues. Hyperbaric oxygen and immunoglobulins are only anecdotally helpful and would only be used after surgery. And moving on to the final question, a 56-year-old diabetic male presents to the emergency department by ambulance after developing high-grade fevers, malaise, and altered mental status. Upon presentation, he is found to be hypotensive and initial labs show an elevated white blood cell count with a profound left shift. On physical exam, skin manifestations seem to be confined to the foot at initial presentation. He is started on broad-spectrum antibiotics. Upon follow-up exam three hours later, his clinical condition deteriorates and he is taken to the operating room for surgical debridement. In a bacterial culture, what would be the most common single isolate for this condition? And the choices are 1. Staphylococcus aureus, 2. Staphylococcus epidermidis, 3. Group A streptococcus, 4. Enterobacter, and 5. Pseudomonas. The correct answer to this question is 3. Group A streptococcus. So the clinical vignette is describing necrotizing fasciitis, which again is a rare and often fatal soft tissue infection that requires high clinical suspicion and prompt administration of broad-spectrum antibiotics and aggressive surgical debridement. Fontes et al. found that although polymicrobial infections including gram-positive, gram-negative, aerobic, and anaerobic bacteria were found most commonly in necrotizing fasciitis, group A streptococcus was the most common bacterial isolate. Wong et al. also found the most common isolated organism to be group A streptococcus. In their study, the highest associated medical comorbidity was diabetes mellitus in 71% of patients. They found that delay in surgery of more than 24 hours was correlated with increased risk of death. That's all for this review about necrotizing fasciitis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow. <laughs>